welcome to I'm Not a Fan Unless I Have a Podcast. I'm John Hanford, and thank you so much for subscribing on YouTube, uh, listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, thank you for listening and subscribing. Uh, give me a follow on the Instagram at GizFanPod. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, and uh, we've got a lot of... I, I mean, this is... King Gizzard is just such a fucking great band, and I, I've just reminded this of just new things happen every week, it seems, that make me love this band even more. Um, you know, I, I, I read this, this article, somebody posted in the fan page on Facebook, um, a, uh, uh, that I, I think it was, yeah, it was an NME article. I'm pretty sure it was NME. And it was, uh, um, it was just a, a feature piece or, or an interview with Joey. Um, and I'm, I'm just like, fuck, man, this is, these are the conversations that like I've had on this podcast and, and it was so cool to see uh, Joey some, I, I don't know. Like we've had a lot of Joey talk on this podcast um, and, and to see it like from Joey himself uh, in, in a major uh, news publication, you know, or, you know, music news publication uh, it was just cool to see that we're thinking along the same lines. Um, you know that there there's not there's nothing cooler to me than uh than to just be on the same wavelength as like your favorite artist or or baseball player or whoever just uh you know you know like like in, in my experience baseball players i you know grew up a diehard baseball fan and i used to work in baseball so it was always cool to interact and shit um but uh anyway um that's just something i wanted to uh uh throw out there acknowledge um uh, definitely check out that article. Uh, I, I think it, it was something about King Gizzard being divisive, like the most divisive uh, King Gizzard is is yet to come. Uh, and, and he was saying, that, you know, basically like, get ready for 2021. Like there's going to be more new music. Um, and, you know, maybe other bands have, or other members of the band have alluded to this on the Reddits. Um, on the AMAs and whatnot, um, I am not savvy with Reddit, so I, I, I just wait to hear about it from other people who are. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was cool to get that confirmation that like next year is going to be a great Giz year as well. Um, this year, despite you know the sh the Red Rocks shows and uh, um, you know all the marathon shows and tours not happening, um, we ha do have to appreciate what King Gizzard has done for us, the fans, um, this year. And, and I don't think any of us have taken it for granted, but maybe some have. I don't know. I don't, I'm really jacked up on caffeine right now, so <laughs> I apologize if I'm going all over the place. Um, but uh, let's see. I did want to say, yeah. Um, so speaking of new music, last week King Gizzard announced on Instagram, I think in one of their stories, um, that this week we would have new music from them. And something that I picked up on over the summer when they were releasing their singles uh, for, from KG was that the singles would often drop uh, maybe an hour or two or just a few hours after I would release each podcast episode, you know, on a Tuesday, maybe sometimes a Thursday, because I used to do two a week. Um, and, uh, and, and like like every time that they would release a podcast or <laughs> that that they would release a song, I would release my podcast just before, and I wouldn't even acknowledge, you know, I wouldn't because it's, the time didn't really sync up. I, I don't know. Maybe this is just one of my weird uh, like neuroticisms, insecurities. Um, just that like I would like to at least acknowledge when new music is coming out, the day it does come out, if my podcast is coming out on that same day. Um, so. I, the point in bringing that up is uh, um, my, my friend, Abby, who we know from, uh, I think, episode 37, maybe 35, uh, the episode titled Cookie Saved My Life. Um, uh, she posted that she had a, uh, um, uh, she had a feeling that King Gizzard would be dropping their new music today um, because you know, that's, that just seems to be the timeline. And I was just like, yep, you're a hundred percent right. <laughs> and, uh, here we are. There's 
you know, I'm releasing this podcast a few hours later than normal because I wanted to take into account this possible new music. And uh, of course, as fate would have it, um, once you start planning for something, the rug will be pulled right out from under you. No, no new music today as of yet. 8.37 a.m. Pacific time on, <laughs> on Tuesday. Um, that's the time I'm recording this intro. But uh, yeah, whatever. In any case, in this episode, uh, we dissect uh, the new album. We, we dissect KG, um, talk about live in San Francisco, and a, a whole host of, of, of other things. Um, you know, life stuff, uh, you know, stuff about the future, current events. Um, this was a really fun episode. Uh, and I'm so excited to have him back on the podcast. And this is his first video appearance on the pod. Uh, I think he was my, um, I mean, he was one of my first guests back when this was audio only. Um, and he's, a, he's an admin and a co-creator of the Facebook fan page um, that has, you know, approximately 30,000 members. Congrats to you uh, <laughs> and your team. Uh, everybody, please welcome to the podcast once again, Dave. The desert, uh, the internet is very kind of fluctuates. It fluctuates. So uh, mm. yeah, thanks for bearing with me. Yeah, um, no yeah dude. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Um, I've been wanting to do this for a while, and I wanted to have like a good excuse to do it. Uh, obviously, with the double release of KG and mm -hmm. Live in San Francisco '16. Uh, I mean, I guess like also just the. They've released so much shit this year, and like now we've seen, I guess, probably the final release. Uh, so we can kind of unpack, you know, like I guess eleven months worth of uh, of stuff. But specifically, I mean, KG, what a record! Uh, yeah, it's definitely, definitely really good. And the singles um, didn't really—they they were great singles, and they were good on their own. But in the context of the whole album they really fit in. Um, so I, I really think the, the singles really helped pull the whole album together and make it super cohesive. Yeah, actually, that's, that's an interesting way of looking at it. Because um, I, was, I had this thought, like this, this notion came to me uh, while I was listening to the album uh, yesterday, um, that like, maybe I shouldn't have listened to the singles so much because like, I anticipated that those would be like the, big, the biggest, best tracks. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, they were also giving me like an idea about what the album was going to be that turned out not to be accurate. Uh, you know, yeah. aside from being microtonal, like, um, I was thinking like there'd be a little more, uh, it'd be more like, uh, you know, contrast based and, you know, cause like seeing some of us, you know, after, uh, straws in the wind and, and, um, and, and like how different those two are from honey and, uh, mm -hmm. and then automation sort of like going back, you know going back to basics sort of forgives um yeah and then all of a sudden now we got like ontology minimum brain size and, and obviously interest sport like mm -hmm. which might be the best you know like better tracks than the than the singles arguably but um yeah i i so for me like this album has already just forced its way into my top five giz albums um i mean like the the thing that sticks out to me a lot is how uh is how poppy it is which i think it speaks to uh joey's growing influence in yeah. the band yeah joey joey's done a lot of growing lately um and i had this revelation the other day like taking all of his work with the band into consideration and looking at his lyrics compared to stew's lyrics stew's lyrics seem to be in general more prophetic and kind of reflective but if you look at a lot of um uh, Joey's lyrics, they seem a lot more psychedelic, kind of cerebral. He, he paints these strange pictures that, I mean, Stu doesn't really do that often. Stu likes to, likes to focus on the outside world and kind of talk about either the beauty of nature or what he thinks is happening to the world around him. But if you look at Stu, uh, Joey's lyrics, they're kind of, I wouldn't, I want to say like postmodern, they're just kind of very yeah, I was. I would say psychedelic or cerebral. Mm -hmm. They're not really uh, tangible. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, 
because like like Joey's always had just some of the most uh, heartfelt lyrics. I I think like Stu, yeah. you know, he pulls a lot from fantasy and and stuff he reads, which is so cool. Um, but Joey, it seems like he's got a lot of uh, like he just has a lot of his own thoughts, um, and he's also, I mean, he, he's he just has a way with words um, and, and and imagery and, and and stuff like just about describing like just individual snapshots of feelings you know yeah um cookie's kind of the same way in that regard but he takes like sort of a i don't know i guess a little more of like a a stoic type of like observational approach whereas joey's just like hey i'm gonna like get right into uh like possibly even something you've been thinking about um but i'm just gonna hit it so fucking hard right on the nail uh just with and it's going to be brought with some some sense of pop and uh yeah um i mean like intersport tremendous song minimum brain size i i felt though was just such a i mean that was just straight up truth um yeah and i never would have song was a grower i had to listen to it a few times to really get the get it the appreciative nature of it mm-hmm. yeah i mean initially it was uh like i, I was hooked from the you know from the intro like the the guitar riff at the, at the beginning mm-hmm. but then once i like read the lyrics and and i'm just like oh yeah these this reminds me of a lot of people i know like <laughs> um uh yeah i it, it just made me um it made me really appreciate it and uh i i did talk about this with um uh with, with some other people and uh one thing that one guy said was uh how they like with minimum brain size how that's one of the first tracks where you where they're not really putting any effects on the vocals. Like they're like, you get to hear Joey singing and like speaking clearly. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, as if not to mince words, like, yeah, you know, um, I like this album just has so many different little messages and, uh, you know, coupled with just some really mind bending, uh, music, you know? Yeah, for sure. One thing that I was I, I was kind of annoyed though is you know I mean I'm stu- stewarding the page making sure on the fan page everything's going well. I'll, I just remember back in 2017 when Full Metal uh, not Full Metal uh, F- <laughs> Flying Michael Total Banana came out and it had Volume One. Everyone was saying when's Volume Two coming out? When's Volume Two coming out? And now Volume Two is finally out and people are like uh, this this King, this King is that album isn't really anything new. It's very derivative. Like the Enemy uh, Enemy had that um not so great review of the album yeah and they were, yeah, they're, they're not they're just doing sticking to their old tricks they're not doing anything new it's like well you're asking for microtonal too so they're yeah they're they're kind of repeating some things before but a lot of people are saying that this album is just a fusion of a lot of their uh, elements from different albums together like you can say honey is like full uh flying microtonal banana plus paper mache dream balloon and then you can say like pull some infets the rast nets and put that into the hungry wolf of fate uh, mm-hmm. or something like that but I, f- I think a lot of the songs on kg mirror some songs from um flying microtonal banana like there's a lot of similar rhythms and a lot of similar effects so i think i feel like the two are really nice companions to, to one another and of course people have done the the work of um having the wind that fades out of flying microtonal banana and that fades into K- uh, kglw so. yeah yeah, and, and like there's a little bit of that wind at the end of uh, at the end of the Hungry Wolf of Fate. Yeah. Um, which, but it, but like you notice it, it's uh, and like somebody on the fan page uh, pointed this out. Like it was uh, like it, it ends a little abruptly, you know, yeah. as if like okay, so LW is going to be Volume Three basically, and who knows? It, but yeah, it'll, it'll be. It's it, it's it's all speculation, but it it feels real. Yeah. Um, One thing that I'm. I'm going to knock on wood. I hope that LW isn't their last album because they have that t-shirt that was released and it had all their albums listed. And then the last, you know, it had KG and LW were the last ones. And some people are are worried that the, that LW might be their last, but you know, I, I don't want to be that kind of guy who's saying this, that's going to be their last one. But a lot of people are saying, you know, oh, they're, they're, um, they're coming, they're drawing on their last few albums, but I, I think they've still got a lot of energy. They've, you know, they've had 16 albums in 10 years, and I don't think they have any signs of slowing down, apart from the fact that some of them are getting families, like Stu had a baby recently. Congratulations mm-hmm. to Stu, if you're listening. Um, yeah. But, you know, a lot of people are scared, and 
I hope their 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 fears are unfounded, but you know that's one conspiracy theory that people are promoting. Yeah, I mean, and like I I've thought about that plenty. Like, uh, you know, like like even after like just after I got into Gibbs, I was thinking like, okay, well, this is there's so much like they have so much more uh, discography than uh, I mean, like than Black Sabbath even you know like some of my favorite bands and stuff and. Um, so like if they were to just to just be like, all right, that's it for, for Giz, it would be like, okay, because you know that they're still going to, it's not like they're going to stop making music. Like you still got Murlocs, you still got, you know, Joey's project with Bullant and uh, Pipe Vibe with, uh, you know, Cookie. And like, who's to say that they wouldn't just evolve into some other iteration that would still be sick. And like, there's so much, to, like, there's so much just to endlessly appreciate about them. Like, uh i would say bring it bring it on you know <laughs> like, yeah um and, and then let's see the world fucking crumble like like i remember when eric, like you know when eric left um it was oh it was just a fucking dagger being twisted in my heart yeah. you know it was doom and gloom and people were like is this the end is this the end of the band but one thing to remember is there's seven people in this band that means seven people always constantly interacting seven egos constantly bumping up against each other the beatles had four four people and they broke up and there was four of them and their egos were in, I'm not saying that, that King Gizzard has the same ego problem that the Beatles did in their ending years. It's just, you're, you're still dealing with seven people and seven people have different wants and they have different needs. Who knows? Maybe they might um, not want to do music. Maybe they'll move into something else like art or writing or, or filmmaking or something. Yeah. Maybe they'll like, you know, team up with PHC and to make some sort of, you know, just a media corporation or something. I don't know. I like how we're about 15 minutes into this and we're all just like, what if Giz is done? Uh <laughs> yeah, no, we don't want to be apocalyptic about, about them, but yeah, I'm, I'm in the camp that they're not, they're not uh, going to break up anytime soon. Yeah. I know that I, there are people out there who are like, oh, they're pe they've peaked. They've made their best work already. They should just like ride off into the sunset, but you know, let them, let them do what they want to do. Let them create, let them be them. Yeah, you know, there there are so many bands. I mean, well, take Hawkwind, for example. Like, yeah. like Hawkwind, they've been around since, like, 1970, basically. And, you know, sure, different members in the band. But, like, they released an album, I think, a year or two ago that was, it was an acoustic album. Um, and it was great. Like, there's yeah. still, you know, like, just because you might have, might have had, like, your hits, you know, early on when you were in your 20s, like, that's pretty natural. You'd have, like, the the you know hardest hitting shit early you know like system of a down for example like they um uh like their first three albums hit pretty hard and then you know once they got into like their late 30s and and 40s they're just like uh we'll, we'll you know be a little more melodic and stuff and mm -hmm. you know, it's just it's just a natural evolution of you know like navigating life as a musician i think you know yeah and, and they've kind of established themselves already, like maybe for their first five or six albums when they were relatively unknown, they were still hungry for that, chasing that feeling of success. And now they've obviously gotten that success. I, th I personally think they're probably the best live band, if not the best band in the world right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, I hope they keep chasing that and I hope they keep putting out good stuff, but I, you know, I, I hope it's not over. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I, I just don't see any way that that it'll be over. I just see see this all as like a constant evolution, you know. It's, right. And yeah, like that's that's what keeps me sane. Uh, and, and also, like, you know, just in being a, a creative person, like, um, and for like myself, like I I shoved down my creativity for a while, just trying to like fit it, blend into corporate life and stuff. And <laughs> I saw what that did to me. It, it's it's unnatural. So like clearly they're they're on to something uh in terms of like their well i mean obviously but like they, they they know what they're doing in terms of um like how they approach you know whatever anxieties and stuff they're just like oh no that just means you know something to the effect of god's telling me to create and yeah. uh yeah so yeah that doesn't worry me but back to the album uh <laughs> so it was there were a lot of different sounds that they explored um and one that, that got me thoroughly confused initially was Some of Us. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously now it seems to make a little more sense. Um, now what I'm confused by is The Hungry Wolf of Fate. Um, that's a track I don't quite know what to make of it. I was surprised that 
when uh, when that poll was posted in, in the fan page um, of what what their, everybody's favorite track was, that mm-hmm. that was like the second uh, most liked. I, yeah. I that surprised me. Yeah, it, it it didn't really surprise me that much. I think a lot of people jumped onto the the King Gizzard bag, bandwagon um, towards the tail end of 2017. Um, you have Murder of the Universe. You have um, uh, Infest the Rat's Nest. You have the people who love metal. Um, the Great Chain of Being, Superbug, the kind yeah. of slow stoner doom sludge kind of metal. And I think the, the Hungry Wolf of Fate did touch on those a lot. And it was kind of the heavy, the heaviest. It's obviously the heaviest track on the on the album. Yeah. And it, a lot of it, it reminded me a lot of the Doom City, especially with the wah guitar. So a lot of people loved that sound, that wah sound that uh, that it had, and I think it reminded a lot of people of Doom City. Yeah, you know, I I didn't make that connection before, but that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. You know, I also liked how in Odd Life they they used uh, the same kind of um, uh, walk down as in Billabong Valley. Um, yeah. It, it's, uh, yeah, it, but, you know, just, like, way faster. It yeah. was... There are so many like little uh, callbacks, you know, to uh, right. to like their their past work. Yeah, um, and uh, ontology album. ontology. The drumming is almost the same as Open Water. I don't say mm-hmm. exactly exactly the same, but they're very similar. Odd Life is my favorite song on the album. I just think it's so mysterious, and I love. I, there's that instrument. I think it's it might be like a Makoto or a Shama, some sort of strange instrument. The one at the beginning. I can't even tell what it is. I can't wait till the album comes out on vinyl so I can actually see the credits, see yeah. what instruments they used. But it's such a mysterious song and the subject matter is so, it's so personal. It's all about how they go on tour and their this crazy life that they lead as musicians, just performing, going crazy, going back to the bus, going to another place, doing this whole crazy endless cycle. And Stu is reflecting on like how the rock and roll music is bad for his ears and the head banging is bad for his brain. So his health is being, um, you know, affected personally by going out and performing and doing all this stuff for the crowd. But it's just, and then Ambrose has his, people are saying he raps, but he has his little verse at the end. Yeah. Where he's talking about, oh, like I'm, it's, he's talking about the, the physical and mental tolls of what it's like to be in a band, how there's promoters everywhere and you're driving around and you don't know where you are one day, next day, you're just, you're super excited and then you're drinking. It's like, the adrenaline of it and then followed by the alcohol or booze or what and weed or whatever he likes to consume just all mixed together in this crazy long tour. I think it was kind of a reflection on probably the chunky tour because they're going all over Europe. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, so I mean, yeah, that's my little odd life rant. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's a great rant. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean like, like there are so many different, like what uh, one sort of, um, thing that I was thinking about with this album, like a common theme with all these different songs is like, they're sort of creating like a little snapshot of, um, uh, of like just different parts of life. And like, whether yeah. it's, uh, you know, whether it's like the, you know, immediate fear of automation, mm-hmm. um, you know, coming in and that feels very real uh, with, you know, with everything that's going on. And yeah. um, uh, I mean, you know, between that minimum brain size, uh, just like, you never would have thought that King Gizzard be, would be writing a song uh, just like calling you stupid. Uh, but yeah. here we are. And, um, and it's, it's, it is kind of earned. Um, but, uh, you know, th- there's like these different little things. And, um, you know, and with obviously like some of us, uh, where it's just Cookie's painting a very bleak picture of, uh, um, you know, like we all, all turn into dust. Uh, yeah, or, I think, or at least I think some Cookie, of us feel like that. But. I think that song is Cookie's kind of um, delving into deep, like this, the concept of deep time, where time isn't just this whatever eighty, you know, eighty-six to to a hundred years that we live on this planet. It's thousands and thousands of years into the past, and thousands and thousands of years into the future, where you know you're insignificant. Um, all of the past. Um, sort of traditions and religions that have sparked up in the past, just they crumbled away. And now, you know, they turn into dust or, or fossils. And it's just, he, he's, he's talking about time on a grander scale. And it's kind of strange that he didn't sing that song. I think maybe he just thought Stu's voice and the vocal effects would be more resounding on that. But we all know that Cookie's really shy. So who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, God, if he did sing that song though, uh, 
I mean, it, it might even cut deeper. Um, yeah. Just, just because it's like, like, I think that's, that might be, I mean, to me, to me, I think that's, that might be the deepest song on the album in terms of the, the lyrics. Yeah. Um, just cause it's such a, just such, such an objective uh, viewpoint. Um, yeah. On, on like, I, I think it, it also is kind of, I wouldn't say a sequel to, but it reminds me a lot of um, Dusk to Dawn on Ligon Street, just in the way that it's patterned. Cause it's like dead, the rhyming, I wouldn't say the rhyming, kind of the way that the words flow is very similar to that song. So you could take some of us and slow it down and add some jazzy instruments. You can have, you know, a companion song to Dusk to Dawn. They're very similar in their uh, structure, the two songs. Yeah. God, I, I, I've, I've not considered that. I, I, now I kind of want to like just listen to them back to back and, uh, and like, you know, maybe even slow down um, uh, some of us, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's fascinating. Um, and then with, uh, with live in San Francisco, uh, oh, that, yeah. that was such a, like, it's taken me a little longer to get into it. Um, obviously. Cause like, I know the songs already. Yeah. Um, and it is kind of weird to have like two, albums released on the same day uh, right so you just it, have to absorb one before you take take the other one up and i mean they, they did release whatever f- how many live albums did they release this year like five six. or six yeah a lot so you know it's 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 a lot of live music that we're getting a lot of songs that have been repeated across many multiple live albums but mm-hmm. yeah i listened to live in in san francisco last night um on vinyl actually I got the ATO version. Nice. And I was just filled with many, many emotions. Um, The first of which being just like, God, I remember, it made me kind of remember how much I love this band because it brought me back to those simpler days where they only had, you know, nine albums, 10 albums. And um, (laughs) I like how those are simpler days, nine or 10 albums. Yeah, that album was that, (laughs) You know, live in San Francisco was recorded May May twenty fifth, twenty sixteen. I was scheduled to see them May fourteenth or thirteenth of that same year in in Boston, but I had to to sell my ticket because I had family occasions. And I'm just now yeah. listening to this album. I'm like, that's what I missed. I missed that, and I'm just so bummed. And it just it's so bittersweet listening to that vinyl and being like, I could have been there. I not not you know on that particular album but I could have been at that show because that's when they were playing you know they were playing their nonagon they were playing their mind fuzz they threw in the river they threw in hit on pill and trapdoor and trapdoor um there's and, and and I'm not saying that their newer stuff is is not as good it's just that there's just so much of it that now when you see king is live they pat they have to pack their shows with little tidbits of every single album Mm-hmm. And you lose some of the stuff that you per- you might personally love. Like if you got into them in the Nonagon days, nowadays they, they might play one or two songs from Nonagon. They might not play any songs from Nonagon. They might back, like pack it full of their newer stuff. And mm-hmm. it, it, I know they do try to play whatever song they've, uh, songs from the albums that just were most recently uh, released during their tour. So like they most recently are um, playing their Fishing for Fishies and Rat's Nest stuff. But you know, every show is a little bit different. Um, but yeah, yeah, this this album just made me be like, okay, they're playing their their stuff that they're that the fans love, and that that's what they were touring on at that time because 2016 is when Nonagon came out. So yeah, and, and they played at the Independent, which is a pretty small venue. Like, um, I mean, like like I, I saw like I went there once. I saw the Meat Puppets and Cash McCombs play, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it was like I think it it's capacity is like a little under a thousand um there might might even be 500 but yeah. um yeah like that it's back when they were playing pretty small clubs pretty yeah small venues. I, I mean like yeah and, and then it, especially in the beginning you know just when they're starting robot stop you hear that girl in the front go like uh, two, just drummers. Like, two drummers it's insane and it's just like that is so that's such a perfect way to set the stage for what's yeah. going down and then you had the i don't know if it's the same girl but someone else kept yelling dickhead i think it was the same one i think she was just so she was feeling it she <laughs> but i think i think a lot of people who aren't og giz heads know, know that dickhead was uh, he had on joey had on one of his guitar a uh, piece of tape with the word dickhead written on it 
So I think maybe she just saw that guitar and she doesn't know the guy's name. So she just mm-hmm. is like, hey, dickhead. She, like, Joey might have been standing right in front of her. So she's just yelling at dickhead. Yeah. Thing in front of her. Yeah, and like I could totally understand from her her perspective, she might think dickhead's kind of hot. I get it. Yeah, uh, and, people, and a lot of people were angry at her. They were like, "Oh, this this woman, she's being so disrespectful." It's like, well, no, you have to understand the context. A lot of people oh, we're, compared we're, her to the uh, the chunky shrapnel uh, drunk chick who hopped on stage. Yeah, no, no, totally different. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like you, you you watch um the first KEXP session. I think Joey's playing the dickhead guitar. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so like like I. I because like he, uh, you know, because like I got into Giz the end of 2017, and I didn't yeah. see them play until like mid 2018. Um, so like I was, I joined post Dickhead, but um, right. it was, uh, uh, but you know, like I, I'd seen the videos and I knew the context, and yeah, I mean, it, it, it was that was just a fun like tidbit that I kind of forgotten about, and then you get to hear it. Um, yeah, it's like ah, cool. And uh, and I think in um, in the peeling the microtonal banana video. He's talking about, he says, oh, we have a, a dickhead model guitar. He has that on his microtonal guitar as well. Yeah. Yeah. Or w- was that the guitar that he, uh, that he modified into micro- to a microtonal one? I think one? so. I, yeah. I just remember saying premium, maybe it was premium foot model. I don't remember. Yeah. Because like he used to, and I, for, I forget the brands of, of those guitars because like they're sort of weird, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like there were, there were two separate, like he had that, uh, that sort of Fender Jaguar, st- or ja- yeah, Jaguar style. Um, guitar that was red and then he, he's got the other one that's his microtonal guitar now but it used to not be it used to just i guess have a different tuning or something um but yeah he's uh and, and then like also lucas he i don't know if he still has a uh, bass written on a piece of tape on yeah. his bass but yeah it's like that, that was sort of like uh i don't know like a relic of of like their playfulness of you know that that era and yeah, i think 2016 it's, yeah back in the day it also killed me that like i could have there, there i there were so many opportunities i had to see gives like back in 2016 2015 and um and probably 2017 as well but i just hadn't heard of them and and instead i was just wasting my my life and you know working all the time and it, it just brought me back to like the pain that i was feeling in 2016 i was like fuck i could have been experiencing this yeah Ugh. but um it's also, okay. it's also nice just to, to it's, it's a nice gift to the fans, especially the newer ones, to be like, hey, you know this band that's really big in 2020? Well, here's what they were doing back, back in 2016. Yeah, you know, and that's something that I've, like, like I've talked with plenty of fans on here that it got into Giz, like, after Rat's Nest came out. Like, that was their, you know, their breakthrough album. And, you know, they still had yet to explore, like, all these old sounds and, you know, really understand the magic of what makes Giz gives um and yeah so like i hadn't really thought about it in that in that context but it makes a lot of sense because um yeah i mean it it does kind of put you into that sort of like you know i guess the rawer territory of gives Mm -hmm. even though they were super tight with nonagon um like when they when they did the head on pill suite uh on this live album it it wasn't nearly as fluid or you know together as as like when they play head on pill now um yeah it seemed like they were still sort of exploring like uh where do we want to go with this medley yeah i think they fine fine crafted their their ending um whatever song they play at the end they always like to make it an extended long jam Mm -hmm. and they've like kind of fine-tuned all right we're going to play this this amount of the song then we're going to go into a little bit of this and then we're going to i'm going to play a little bit of this and i think they just like the beatles just so many hours of practicing have just made them tight and made them cohesive whereas like even on uh if you listen to this you know live in san francisco at one point Stu starts singing um got ideas and he's like oh whoops he like messes up yeah he really messed up and he goes wrong song and then he get, goes back into head on pill it's just it's so it's so raw and flimsy but it's you love them for it you know what i mean it's that that kind of stuff which makes you love the band like it reminds me a lot of when i saw the ocs um I actually saw the OCs at the same club that I was supposed to see King Giz at. And at one point, one of John Dwyer's guitar strings broke. So just the drummers are playing this crazy jam and you John Dwyer's in the back, like restringing his guitar. And it's just like, that's the stuff about a, a live show where things are so unpredictable and crazy. And that's just what makes them extra fun. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I it, it also kind of brings me back to like when I first discovered Giz and like upon discovering them, I like that's when I sort of uh, got in my head like, hey, maybe I should lose this sense of perfectionism and be like a little more out there. Um, just because like they had all these sorts of, uh, you know, odd, like little, like, like wh whether it's like a fill on the guitar or something, you know, with like a bunch of delay effect on it, um, or just a weird sounding note that maybe shouldn't be there. It's like, it, may, it made it clear to me like, okay, if you actually want to make great shit, you got to just put yourself out there, be vulnerable with that. And like, um, it's really cool to see like, yeah, just how, the, how it's progressed since then. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. Well, and then also like, I mean, if we're talking about evolution, uh, how about those demos? Right. Like, yeah. I was about to say like those demos are, 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 should be, I mean, a lot of people didn't like them cause you know, they weren't, they weren't perfect, but they were a nice way to show, show people like, Hey, these songs that you love and you know, they weren't once what they, they, they were something different to begin with. And they've gone through many, many, many takes and many, many, many iterations. And, you know, it, you need to perfect your craft you need to and i think that was kind of their their gift like hey this is us at our rawest even so i remember i thought i read an interview that said Stu was like yeah i didn't really want to share this but i i think that it's a good thing for our fans to see like us even at our not what i wouldn't say worse but in the pro in the process of creation yeah and also uh even some of the songs they just kind of stand alone on their own like uh, music to eat bananas to is like one of the happiest jams I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Um, and then also like the song is dirt and most of what I like on the dem like the demo versions, like I kind of like those better than, than what were on the album. Um, yeah. and it specifically just that sound, the kind of like poppy psychedelic sound, kind of Tame Impala ish. Mm -hmm. Um, like that, got me excited about like, okay, so here's something that they could also go into, uh, which right. I guess we did kind of see with, uh, with Infrasport. Um, and like we, and I guess a little bit with, um, uh, you know, kind of like with, with, even with this thing uh, mm -hmm. that Joey wrote, um, like that's kind of poppy and like fascinating. Uh, the yeah. electronic part in Acarin, um Oh yeah. I mean, there's, there, they have a lot of pop in them that I didn't really, uh pay attention to until until the demos kind of highlighted it and now kg's kind of throw more of it in our face um mm -hmm. but yeah like and then also like with with the other tracks like evil death roll like the original thing it's just like wow like that that was i agree with Stu. that was a ballsy thing to release on its own like um because it's it's just a very simple you know basic guitar riff um yeah kind of like surf yeah it, it's like kind of like a surf rock going you know like morphing into metal a little bit yeah um and then they they took automation which was like i think i remember when they were uh interv they interviewed Stu about infest the rat's nest and he said yeah there was another song that was on this album but i scrapped it i think that song was automation but then they took the lyrics from automation and they turned it to this microtonal uh song which is on kg which is i think better than the the one on uh, on the demos, but yeah, it, it's for me. It's definitely more listenable, um, yeah. and also like they've kind of got that uh, uh, that drum beat that sounds similar to Muddy Water, mm -hmm. and it's um, and, and so like it, it was also kind of a fun way to because uh, like I'm a little all over the place, but I think I got it now uh, with the um, like with the singles that they released kind of being drastically different from each other, um, you know, up until Automation, like. Well, in automation, also drastically different. But being that last single that was released, it was like kind of a, I don't know, I guess like a, a sign of comfort for a lot of Giz fans. Like, okay, we're not losing that sound, but also get ready for this other stuff. Like it seemed to be a good, it seemed to be an indicator that they're still willing to, uh, to cater to uh, people's tastes and what got them into the band. But also just like, guys, strap in we're going to be going on some other tours you know <laughs> like some, yeah. some more adventures and shit yeah and and you're right about the fact that all of the singles sounded so differently because when honey first came out that was the first new thing that they put out in a while people were like oh it's going to be microtonal uh paper mache so it's going to be an acoustic album with uh you know 
with microtones. And then some of us came out and it's like, wait, no, this is microtonal, but it's a little bit more heavy. And then Straws in the Wind came out and people were like, uh, okay. I mean, I, they, all the Ambi fans were happy. And Automation, I love the fact that they, they released it at DIY. Like you could, you had to download the stems, you had to download the videos because in make in everyone coming together, making their own remixes and making their own videos, they're contributing to that automation that let Stu was warning us about. Everyone's mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, throwing their own digital footprints out there. But, and I think the lyrics of automation are some of the most prophetic, intelligent lyrics. And it's one of my favorite songs on the album. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it very much is. Cause like, there is a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on with AI yeah. Um, and, you know, and Stu has said in the past, like there's, you know, good AI and bad AI. Yeah. And just another podcast that I've been listening to and stuff you see in the news. Um, and, and like the news doesn't really have a, a lot of reporters don't really have a full understanding or grasp of what yeah. AI entails or, or, you know, the, what it actually means for life. Yeah. And um, Stu says everyone should be talking about this. Yep. The fact that not people are talking about stupid things like the, I mean, I'm ha I'm so happy this album came out when it did because just after the stupid election week, everyone I'm sure I mean in the United States at least was exhausted and they're just like we need something new, we need something. And King is came in like the heroes that they are and slam dunked us with two new albums, which were amazing. But mm -hmm. you know, he st Stu still took the reminder to take us like, hey, this, this these are important things. Uh, this automation is something crazy, and I've been. Th thinking about this a long time. I mean, like some of the most smart, pe uh, smart people in our country have been thinking about it. Like we've got Andrew Yang, Sam mm -hmm. Harris, Elon Musk, all these people have been talking a lot about AI and they're kind of just brushed off as, eh, whatever, we'll take care of it. But like, you know, I think it's something that a lot of really, really intelligent people have been trumpeting for a long time. Yeah, I mean, there's there's been that and and also you don't necessarily know like how nefarious their uh, motives are. And yeah, but I, we, we, we don't know if they have motives. It's just right. like, there's no motive there. It's just, it's a computer. It'll do what it'll do. And if we're in a simulation, then, you know, there's that theory that we're in a simulation, then it's just going to do what it's going to do. It doesn't need any rhyme or reason. We don't have to ascribe human motives to it. It does whatever it thinks it needs to do. Yeah. Um, and, and like, just thinking back to like how, you know, like I used to work in, in tech um, and, you know, in, in like a content producer role, but like, you know, whenever I was looking for other jobs, like they would, like all these requirements would be like, you know, must be well-versed in AI technology and stuff. I'm just like, I am not, but uh, it be, all of a sudden everywhere it's becoming like uh, a, a prerequisite to, for like understanding. And it's only in that industry. You know, which is kind of terrifying because it's like there, it's such a powerful thing. Um, and also, like, it, it's, you know, like being uh, in my late 20s and, and already getting burned out on, on corporate life, like, and like just working to the point of basically like where automation would replace me. Um, it's like, yeah you don't, you don't know what um like people just don't ha have a really good un understanding as to uh and i know this is like convoluted but they don't really have a good understanding as to um uh like what they themselves are made of um they don't understand how they might feel should they just have everything done for them uh and where then having everything done for them takes over their autonomy and yeah. like that's that's what freaks me out about automation in general. Um, yeah. I mean, we're already seeing early signs of it because we're already linking all of our social media things together. And then eventually that could be linked to, you know, you're just going to get linked to your bank account. It could get linked to your social security. And eventually you're not even going to be you. You're just going to be like this collection of profiles and stuff that's kind of like centered on this one little AI cloud. I know this, these are things you think about when you're, um, you know, into Giz. And yeah, well, but even in, in general, I think like, uh, did, did you see the social dilemma on Netflix? I did. I did. Yeah. I mean, that I think uh, the fact that that came out like the same week as Straws in the Wind uh, as the video, like there were the there were, like with CGI Ambrose, like that was sort of uh, <laughs> I love that it, it, it was hilarious and it was uh, creative. It was silly, but also it was uh, so synchronous with um, with like that one uh, setting in in the social dilemma where it's like mm -hmm. the the personification of ai those three yeah. dudes 
and they're working with like some CGI, you know, like human body. Um, And yeah, like, like it it all ties in together so well. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, like upon hearing straws in the wind, I was like, oh yeah, that's kind of all this is like, we are in effect becoming part of AI by being inundated with all the same information. It's kind of blowing around. It doesn't really matter, um, you know, on, on, in, in, on our individual level, like it doesn't affect us individually, but uh, because it's hacking into our collective psyche, mm-hmm. uh, we, you know, all of a sudden everybody cares. And now you have to be extremely careful with what you say or else you, you know, might face some kind of uh, uh, backlash online. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, like, it's a slippery slope. And, um, and I think straws in the wind paints that picture and automation takes it further yeah, and hopefully people do continue to talk about this, or uh, you know, have some sort of realization, because um, like King is 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 all fun and games, like for the most part. But there's also some real shit that they're getting at. Yeah, um, that can be taken seriously. Yeah, um, definitely. That was long winded, but <laughs> no, I, everything you're saying it makes perfect sense, and. Uh... Right, like we we all know, even ever since the probably even the uh, mindfuss days, that these guys, these guys care about bigger issues than just these petty small issues. They care about the environment, they care about human autonomy, they care about uh, making sure everyone is living their best life, um, and their lyrics are really personal and, you know, they say a lot of really important things. I think. Yeah, oh for for sure, and like, you know, because a lot of people. Uh, you know, they, they try to paint King Giz into a box or, or they, they might with, you know, certain singles or something like with uh, Planet B, you know, you got like that, that energized, uh, you know, like the far left part of the Giz base and, um, and w- which was great. It was a great message and everything. Um, and then, you know, but then once you come up with that, then a lot of people will think like, oh, well, they're always, you know, they're definitely on my side completely. And it's like, no, they're just malleable and independent thinkers. It's, yeah. I mean, Stu when, when Stu won an award, he did say "f the right wingers," and that did annoy a lot of people. But mm-hmm. you know, there's there there was in on Reddit and on Facebook, there's arguments. It's like, well, how can you assume that these bands aren't left wing? They're they're talking about these issues that they think that right wing people don't care about. And I mean, you you, you can always go into the the classical debate of like what is right wing what is left wing but you know that i mean i love Stu, but when stuff when when you say stuff like that yeah sure you're gonna make piss a lot of people off especially the people that he's targeting but he's saying all this stuff that like obviously if you hadn't listened to their music it's the same thing with roger waters like Mm -hmm. people are shocked when roger water waters gets political it's like have you listened to his music have you listened do you know the guy same thing with Stu. when when they get political and when they talk about issues yeah they're gonna throw around these words and they might not be kind to you know your political affiliation but you know sometimes you have to separate the art from the artist and sometimes the art you know the artist they have to, they put themselves into the art. So you have to respect both of them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's possible to have, have views, you know, take, take whatever makes the most sense to you from, from, you know, all sides. Like, you know, I grew up like a, a you know, diehard liberal and everything. And for the most part, I would say I am, but like, uh, ultimately I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be grouped into any one thing. Um, yeah. So like I, and, and especially back to this point of like personal autonomy, like I think you need to let people feel what they're feeling and, uh, and express it in some way that's like, you know, nonviolent. Um, right. And yeah. So like there's, uh, and and I mean like, you know, when, when Stu says like, you know, fuck the right wing and and whatnot, it's like, I get that because I agree, but, but at the same time, that also doesn't necessarily mean, uh, that he's not an independent, you know, or like, that that he takes it might take a lot of issue with uh what whatever the the so-called left wing and, and everybody's de- definition of of wings like you said is is different um but yeah i mean it just goes back into like hey let's not try to be 
A and B divisive, you know, like right. And Australia, uh, it's things are different in Australia. I mean, their, their politics are a little bit different than ours. Mm-hmm. The United States is pretty, in general, a pretty center center right. I would say center right country. And you know, people think that anything to the left of that is like, oh, you're a crazy socialist, or like, oh, mm-hmm. you're a crazy communist. It's like, no, that's just propaganda. It's just a smear campaign that they're using to try to to win their to win votes. When yep. if you look at in the grand spectrum of things, like. No, like you can still get along and be a little bit left of center without, you know, having your country fall into total collapse like they are, you know, warning you about. And King Gizzard does talk about that stuff a lot. Like they talk about the cruel millennial, like they're, you know, kind of making fun of their generation a little bit, saying like, oh, our our generation's a little bit addicted to technology. They're a little bit, you know, um, I don't know. The Cruel Millennial was kind of a strange little song shoehorned into Fishing for Fishies. Yeah, I what I mean, and like that was that was an Ambrose song, and it wouldn't surprise me if that was sort of born out of uh, what he was writing for Manic Candid episode uh, with the Murlocs, because that also kind of focused on uh, sort of that that kind of tangent, um, you know, with with like Comfort Zone and 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 the song, the title track itself, like mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's just all a, a lot of it is kind of focused on that. Um, on that weird feeling you get of just like, ugh, uh, like, what are we doing? You know, <laughs> like, yeah. Twitter is great for for certain information, but it can quickly devolve into a toxic mess. I mean, you you you're the the fucking admin of the Facebook fan page. You know t- online toxicity better than anybody. It's <laughs> yeah, but things have gotten a lot better on the page nowadays. I oh. think I think especially since like, I think COVID has brought a lot of people together. Even yeah. despite what the media is doing, because, you know, a- Amber says the media will never quit, which is mm-hmm. like a really great little line in Straws in the Wind where he's saying like, oh, they're, they're just focusing on this pandemic and causing everyone to, to panic for ratings. Yeah. Whereas it's like, no, people are, are, are in general kinder than that. And yeah, social media does exacerbate the worst in people. But, you know, you got to take some of the bad with the good. Yeah. And I mean, like, like I went to college for journalism. And we always had this, uh, you know, there's always a saying, if it bleeds, it's, it leads. Yeah. And, um, dog bites man. Yeah. And, and, or man and, bites dog. Or I, can't, I think it was my man bites dog. Uh, well, I, I, I'm not familiar with that. Anymore. Yeah. They're saying like, they're saying like, oh, a do- I think they're just, it's a phrase that's saying like, oh, a do- if a dog bites a person, that's not really that interesting of a news story. But if a guy bites a dog, like, okay, that's an interesting news story. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, unusual. And like, yeah, and I mean, definitely the more unusual, uh, the better. But like, ultimately, if if it's at all gory and it inspire and, and like really hits with people's, uh, you know, uh, sick self. Uh, yeah, of, there's of, a, like, lot of, a lot of a lot of our a lot of our proclivities come to that disgust. Like one of the these sensibilities that Jonathan Haidt. Have you heard of Jonathan Haidt? He's a really smart philosopher and uh-huh. psychologist. He talks about this disgust thing and. Uh, the concept of disgust does drive a lot of the, our behaviors and our actions and what we do. Like, uh, leading it back to King Gizzard, that that line that uh, on some of us where it says ancient microbes reveal xenophobes, mm-hmm. where z- xenophobia is a natural human response to to plagues and pandemics because for centuries, um, it kept the human population safe. When, when, you know, in people would come into your tribe and they were carrying a foreign disease, they would, you know, spread disease into your population. Now, whether that, like, that, that originally started out as a um, mostly, like, you know, pe- physiological disease, you know, uh, parasites, bacteria, but soon that has started um, evolving into mind viruses or different belief systems where you, you keep the outsider out to keep your to preserve the sanctity of your own congregation. Mm-hmm. So disgust has kept human beings alive and it helped in our evolution in terms of, you know, filtering the bad out from the good, but it also then led to, you know, our racist rhetoric and our, and our horrible xenophobia that can happen, you know, mm-hmm that we see with, especially with coronavirus, there's a lot of anti-Asian rhetoric that started to pop up um, mm-hmm. amongst some political groups. Um, but we know that that is just a very base thing that kept human beings alive for such a long time, magnified and uh, sort of amplified to a crazy scale. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean. And, and cooking hit the nail on the head. Yeah, I that was, also, that's another thing I love about um, about Giz because with the uh, you know like w- when Stu went on KEXP and did that isolated tracks thing and he was 
uh, they're asking him, you know, what do you do with these, like, about the lyrics? Like, because it seems so timely. He's like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll go rework them, uh, you know, like, like just before it goes to, to production. Because, like, um, yeah, you want to make it relevant. And, like, it's also, it just made so much sense. But uh, it was so cool to hear, like, that line on, this, on an album coming up or coming out the same year as COVID. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and it is totally true. And KG, um, KG does seem to be like an, al an album that kind of exemplifies this whole coronavirus thing and just distills 2020 as a whole into this crazy scrambled mess. It, 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 they have, there's so many issues to talk upon that they have to choose, pick and choose carefully. And it's nice that they have that much sense in their songwriting to sort of hit on these really big, big button issues. Yeah. Um, I mean, just, yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think, um, for, uh, I mean, just something else I've been thinking about is like with Red Rocks, you know, scheduled for next year, um, like, and just we're, you know, we're going into like, I guess another somewhat pseudo shutdown or like there's, there are curfews everywhere. Uh, it, see, it feels like we're headed towards some kind of, uh, I don't know. Um, I don't want to manifest the wrong thing, but it, yeah. it, it's gotten me worried about, uh, you know, about like what, what will happen next year? Are they going to have to postpone again? And at that point, it's just going to get canceled. But um, right. it's, uh, but it, it's had me thinking about that. And like, ultimately I just decided uh, yesterday to make a vision board uh, just to like manifest red rocks. Like I, I found a clip from a magazine that, that just, said COVID-19 vaccine. So I yeah, I think I saw that, that right in the center. Your Instagram. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I put it up there. Uh, yeah, we got to manifest that shit. I just took like some uh, some rocks for, or like, like I guess a landscape from Mars and mm. just made that the red rocks. But uh, nice. yeah, red Mars for the poor, right? That's what <laughs> I guess is what red yeah. rocks is. Um, although you can't really be broken go, but I don't know. Anyway, we're devolving. Um, but uh but anyway, we have been going for a while. Um, what's something that you've been thinking about, uh, Giz related that we haven't talked about on this episode? I mean, we covered the the new albums which came out. Um, you know, they released their Gizverse USA, which I think is just a, a portal to their um, American uh, web store. Mm -hmm. um, ATO Records. Uh, if you look on their their um, their Facebook page, I think. Um, I'm not sure if it's Dave as in Dave Matthews, but it, it was there was a post written by Dave from ATO, and he talks about how um, live in 26 live in San Francisco came to be. How he found it on a hard drive, and he was like, "Oh my god, this is great!" So he sent it to Stu for mastering. Um, but yeah, I think if if people want to get an interesting insight on into like an outsider's perspective of that album, they can go check out that Facebook post. Um, but you know, King Gizzard is just they're still doing their things. I I'm excited for what, what they have next. Um, is there anything that you had to on your mind about the band? God, I, I always have things about my mind. <laughs> I have things about the band on my mind. Like, yeah. uh, I mean, it just, it, it seriously sends me into like an ADD spiral, which is like how we got here. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, like I, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about uh, just, cause there, there have been some tracks like Ontology, for example, that one seems to be kind of like this, um, sort of like grand kind of Western style song. Yeah. Um, it, it, and like, I have been talking about, like I, this had come up as like one of the speculative pieces on this podcast over the summer. Uh, but like I was talking with somebody about like, what if they did some kind of like doom Western type of album, you know, yeah. where, where like we get that eyes like the sky type of sound. Um, with some more flavor, you know. I thought I thought I remembered reading somewhere that they wanted to do a sequel to Eyes Like the Sky, where um, Miguel ended up um, in some mining town. I can't. I really can't remember. I'm, you know, racking my brain for these different interviews. But I remember he. They said they were thinking about doing a sequel where he goes to some other area. I'm not sure if it's in America or like Japan. I, don't, I can't. I really like. There's so many interviews with Giz, you you try you tend to forget some of the things. Yeah. But the thing about Ontology that kind of interests me, and it just hit me the other day. So Ontology, I think, is about it's about the concept of philosophy 
they ask all these philosophical questions like why do we think who are we um all those questions why is there anything and typically when you think about philosophy there's two types of philosophy i think in the in the general you have eastern philosophy and western philosophy mm -hmm. so the song ontology like they have east it sounds kind of like a mix of like an in a middle eastern song and then you have your western which is kind of like the the cowboy stuff so i think it's an homage to like the fact that there's Eastern philosophies and Western philosophies and the song is kind of a nice marriage of the two styles where you have East and West combining into this cool little jam. Oh, I love that. Uh, I mean, that, that's a notion that I, that I've, I mean, I've just sort of been experiencing on my own the last few years is just like, yeah, sort of taking like, a, like looking into, uh, you know, like, um, you know, Taoism, uh, and, and like Hinduism and stuff yeah. and just sort of like, um, you know, sort of contrasting that with like, you know, Carl Jung and, um, uh, and like, like Freudian, uh, psychology and stuff. And yeah, just like other Western philosophers, like there is value in so much of it. Uh, and like, I think it like, that's how you achieve harmony, right. Is, is like by merging, yeah. uh, and coming up with, with some kind of product that takes the good from both. Yeah. And, and you can tell that Stu definitely spends a lot of time probably reading. I think he says he reads a lot of philosophy and he reads a lot of theology works. Well, not exactly theology, probably more philosophy and, and psychology. I think he's a, he said he was a fan of Freud. And he also likes science fiction. And a lot of concepts of science fiction do kind of meld, uh, meld with um, philosophy. Mm -hmm. um, but the song is, you know, the, these, these questions that are asked in the song are things that are common in all schools of philosophy, people, you know, why are we here? What's the purpose of life? Why is there, a, why does the universe exist? Why are we here? All those questions are sort of universal. And that song is a nice kind of almost tongue in cheek way of kind of marrying two sets, two styles of music together. And then there's that cool, like little guitar solo at the end, which is awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's in that, that what, a, what a way to like start that song too. just that woo, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah like and i'm guess i i would assume that like that's how side b of the record starts yeah yeah that's 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 side b but even even still if you listen to it on a nice you know on spotify or, or all it all in a row on your mp3s mm -hmm. it it, go, it goes right from the end of um some of us which you know the end is da 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 da, da woo and then you kind of get into the next song so it, it sort of still goes with the time and I feel like these the the transitions on this album are amazing. They're they're like Nonagon Infinity style transitions that we're seeing, especially yeah. side B. Yeah, I mean the the transitions on this album I think are I mean they're so different because like even though you know sure Volume One, uh, Flying McDonald Banana they transitioned pretty seamlessly like. Uh, these yeah. are, but it's mostly the the songs on Micro Turtle Banana usually tend to kind of like fade out. Yeah, and then something else kind of comes in. This one it just it. They, they do something with the beat and kind of like a DJ mixes two songs together. Mm -hmm. They sort of mix like a, they have a little intermediate beat and then it goes into the next song. Yeah. Especially with Intrasport and Odd Life. I love that transition. Yeah. That one's great. And even from, uh, uh, from Ontology into Intrasport, like, yeah. um, it's, I mean, honestly, like that three song block is my favorite from the album. Um, yeah. and, and I mean, I just love how they've basically accelerated, uh, the segue. Uh, be, hmm. you know the transitions but yet it's still so crisp and 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 it flows and it it it, it grooves really hard and that, sure. and, and like the fact that now there are songs that you can le legitimately dance to if you can dance uh yeah i can't like, you but can like, probably you can probably play uh play intrasport in a club and have people like not leave immediately yeah <laughs> um yeah that's the song it's a song that i sent to like my sister who's she's not a huge king gizzard fan but i know that she's a britney spears fan and i'm like hey this is it's it's essentially my fraternal britney spears like the way that his voice is, he sounds like britney spears i and even in the instagram post he had hashtag free britney which kind of yeah i think the song was kind of like a pop song his his attempt at making a britney spears like a pop song but the lyrics you know they're 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 dark they're about i think they're about a, a serial killer or someone dissociating right before they go on a bloodlust in a, in a murder it's, mm -hmm. it's a, you know again king gizzard is an expert at making beautiful lovely harmonies and um sub contrasting it with dark horrifying depressing lyrics yeah uh i mean especially I, joey yeah and and joey has like such a sense of humor about himself that like uh 
you know, even though he's serious, it's also just like, well, this is what it is. And, uh, and, and inherently that's funny to him. And, or at least it's funny to me. It's, I, I like, I, you know, with like the straws in the wind video, him doing the leaf blower solo, like oh, yeah, he's such yeah, a yeah. silly dude. And, yeah. and um, he's definitely the, I think he's the jokester, the, the funny one of the group. If you had to, you know, paint all of them as a picture, you know, like Lucas is the quiet one. And well, I think Lucas and Cookie are both the quiet ones. But Cookie, I think he's shy, but also he's like a subtle genius, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I compare his writing style to Seinfeld all the time. Like, yeah, because observational. he's also observational, bleak, but yet kind of hilarious, too. Um, yeah. and he, whimsical, yeah. a little bit whimsical, too. Like very sweets and treats. Come on. That's a great song. Yeah. I mean, if, all of Inside Outside, uh, that Pipe Eye album is mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, it's like a really whimsical sort of journey through cookie's mind it seems like um but uh yeah anyway dave thank you so much for coming on the podcast um for sure thanks for having me th- again yeah th- this is a fucking blast and uh yeah everybody um if you're somehow not on the king gizzard fan page on facebook get on there uh dave runs it it's sick um and it's like where we get to you know, convene outside of this podcast and, uh, yeah. you know, on a much grander scale, you have more than 60 people in that group. So uh. yeah. <laughs> the one thing I'm going to say before I go yeah. is, um, my favorite thing to see on the page, which I've seen a little bit of recently. Um, I commented on it. Um, it was one, one of the things that sticks out in my mind and one of the re- main reasons that we made the page in the first place, um, a bunch of people from the Facebook group got together and they did a cover of I'm in your mind fuzz. And, th- and even through this crazy pandemic, they all recorded their own individual parts and then they assembled it and it is a killer cover. Um, but that's my favorite thing to see is people coming together for this love of this insanely amazing band that we all love and even in the most dark time, one of the most dark years in human history, they managed to come together and make art, make something amazing, make something beautiful. And that's the one thing I love to see on the page. And mm-hmm. I hope to see more of it. And also dank memes, because who doesn't love dank memes, right? <laughs> right. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, yeah, take it easy, man. Uh, yeah. Stay safe. See you, see you John.